Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, Tara Williams with The Mom Manual. I have a very exciting guest today, Dr. Suma. She is the founder of Three Little Ducks and she is a physical therapist based in beautiful Hawaii. Dr. Suma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yes, we are excited. And this is a special one because we, our team actually met you in person. Can you, can you tell everyone about that? Yeah, so I met the Dreamland Baby team at Nordstrom Ala Moana in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, Nordstrom Ala Moana does an incredible job at supporting local businesses and all the baby businesses that are represented in their store. I had an opportunity to meet the team there. It was a really wonderful experience. This was the craziest thing to me. The Nordstrom Hawaii is actually the biggest baby store in, in the country, which yeah. I don't know why, but blew my mind. So I, I have not been yet. And that is on my list for next year. And I know Dr. Suma, everybody is wondering, what is it like to live in Hawaii? So before we jump in, we need to know that. Hawaii is incredible. It's a really beautiful place to live. I think it's also important to know if you come to Hawaii or come to live in Hawaii, that you need to be respectful of the, the host culture that you're in, being mindful of the local Hawaiian culture, being mindful of the community that's here and making sure you fit in with them and not making other people conform to you. If you can become a part of the community, it's an, a beautiful, beautiful place to live. There's so much fun to be had. There's so much nature to explore. It's yeah. an incredible life to have. I'm jealous. So Maui is my all-time favorite place in the world. We go every single year and I feel like the second the plane touches down and my feet hit the earth, it's like, I mean, for anyone who's seen Moana, the heart of Te Fiji, like, I feel like it's a real thing. Like, it's like mother earth is like just making me feel peaceful. It's such just a peace. My, my kids always say, mom, we want to move here. I'm like, me too. <laughs> I can't imagine totally. life. Okay. Dr. Suma, can you jump in and tell us a little bit about Three Little Ducks and about your practice in physical therapy? Yeah. So Three Little Ducks is a company that's based on Oahu in Hawaii. And it's really aimed at empowering parents to support their child's development. I really felt like there's a lot of therapy clinics around the nation, but there's not a lot of access for families to find out information about their child's development hmm. before their baby may have an issue or just to gain general information. As a therapist, we have so much information and and it kind of seems like we're doing ourselves an injustice for not sharing that ahead of time with families. So it's really why I created Three Little Deaths as an opportunity to educate families and caregivers on their baby's development. So what I did when I started the company was we launched with the Little Deck and Me class. So it's a set of classes where families come. It's a great place to socialize, meet other new parents, for babies to socialize. It's also a place where they get to meet pediatric experts like myself and other people on our team, where they get to learn nuggets of information on how to engage in purposeful play to support their baby's development. 
it's kind of that's the heart of our business. But on top of that, we have a physical therapy practice, baby massage classes. And we really like to focus on the whole spectrum of the child, not just babyhood. So we're really big on um, promoting physical activity. And right now that we do that through family Ohana yoga classes here in Hawaii. Oh my gosh, I love that. So is any of this element online or is it based specifically in person to Hawaii? So right now the classes are all in person, but I do have a social media account, which is at Three Little Ducks Hawaii. And I really like to spend a lot of time on there providing content to families. To me, accessibility is a huge piece of the business to me and being able to provide free content that's informational to families is important. And also with that, you know, families want to know like, what they should buy for their kids yeah. and you know that should be within everyone's budget so even on my social media I'll put up toy recommendations but it kind of spans the budget from free to low cost items you already have at home so like upper end things like if families want to purchase things from Nordstrom they can we really want to make sure everyone has an option no I, I love that and I think one thing that we find with accounts is a lot of times they'll recommend a category but not a specific product so that's that's neat that you guys do that it's a little bit different amazing so today we're going to talk about all the stages I guess of purposeful play so do you want to jump into the first one which is our newborn stage totally and so just to define purposeful play it's really in a time that you as a family member or parent caregiver, set aside to engage in direct focus play with your baby with the goal of helping your baby meet their next set of developmental milestones. So the first one I want to talk about is newborn purposeful play and tummy time. I think a lot of parents get really nervous about tummy time, you know, put their baby on their tummy for the first time and the baby starts crying. They're like, oh my gosh, my baby's not enjoying this. Like this, this is not the right thing for my baby to be doing. Right. And what I like to tell parents is like, let's let's back it up a little bit and let's make it successful for you and your baby. And there's a lot of other things you can do before you put your baby straight flat on the floor. So some of the things that families can do is like putting their baby on top of their chest and you can recline in your recliner or in a chair in a beach lounger. So you're reclined back, you're looking down at your baby, your baby can look up at you. And as that becomes more successful, then you can transition down onto like a wedge or over your leg or on the boppy, on an exercise ball, on a water mat. Um, there's lots of options. And as your baby starts to experience more success, then you can move straight down onto the floor. I think it's the same for us as adults. If we go straight into doing a plank when we haven't done one in six months, like that's tough. That's the same experience your baby's having when they're getting into tummy time on the floor. No, I love that idea of putting baby on the chest for tummy time. I've never thought of that. And I think when we, as just a mom, I think if if you're putting your baby on their chest, they're just falling asleep. So how do you kind of combat that? Really what makes tummy time successful is not just the positioning, but it's the engagement. So if your baby is on your chest, talking to your baby, singing to your baby, they want your attention. And that's what's going to make it successful and, and keep them awake and alert also you having that full conversation, whether you want to narrate what you're doing all day long to your baby, or you want to sing a song or read a book, just keeping them engaged in that way is really helpful. And then even as you start to move your baby down onto like a yoga ball or a wedge or straight onto the floor, you can get down on the floor with them too. Like you lay on your tummy and 
be directly in front of your baby and talk to them and use all those really fun toys that you think will catch your baby's attention. Generally, it's a toy that's making noise or has some type of light source that they can like follow that sound or that light around. And when we're talking about newborn, like how, how new are we saying like day one? Ah, Yeah. Great question. Tummy time can start the day you receive your baby in your hands. So if you're receiving your baby the day they're born, you can start tummy time on your chest. You don't have to wait till you bring your baby home. You don't have to wait till two months. It can start that first day you have your baby. I actually have this hilarious video of my first daughter and me and my husband were just, we couldn't believe what she was doing. She was probably two or three days old, four days. Like we were just home from the hospital and we had her wrapped in the baby burrito, right? And she's on my husband's chest and she's like lifting like her whole body, but because she's in the burrito, it like moved her whole body. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's just like the most unbelievable thing. We're like, well, she's doing like a baby push up almost. And we were like, oh my yeah. God, how is this possible? She's four days old. This is crazy. I think as parents, we often think that a newborn just literally lays there and does not move. But seeing this, I, I wish I could like share the video with everybody because it is so funny and she's so little. So what are kind of the benefits or like, what's the why behind this? Yeah. So tummy time has so many benefits. The big ones are, is that it starts to strengthen your baby's head and neck. So I'm sure if you have a newborn, or if you've had a newborn, their head is so floppy when they come out. So you want to strengthen their head and neck, and that helps prepare them for all the developmental milestones that's to come, whether that's sitting up, getting ready to stand, getting ready to walk, crawl. That is the foundational skill that everything builds off of. Right. And also it lends into like, learning how to turn your head to follow and track a toy, which is why I was recommending to use a toy when you get down on the floor with your baby. Yeah, it's it's instrumental with everything that's to come, not only gross motor, but it lends itself to fine motor, feeding, communication, and like all the way into childhood. Super interesting. One thing that I remember I had as my mom gave me what were these like black and white cards because mm-hmm. babies can only see in black and white. Is that right? Correct. When they, when they're a newborn, that's really what they're seeing are those high contrast colors. So black and white, red, anything that's like really, again, high contrast, bright will catch their attention. Yeah. So what, what would you say would be kind of the number one, maybe a free toy and then like a paid toy that you, that you like for newborns? Ah, free toy mirror. Do you have a mirror in your home, which I'm sure everyone has a mirror somewhere? Yeah. Um, pull that out. Your baby wants to see their reflection. Yeah. Um, and then the other free toy is you. Like yeah. your voice, your face, that's what they want to see. As far as paid toys, those black and white cards are excellent. There's a light up one that I love. It captures every baby's attention. You turn it on, it lights up, it spins, and they're just they go after it. They're looking for that light because it's so bright and different from what their typical environment is like. It's like a cat kind of. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) It's a great way to put it. (laughs) So funny. Okay. And then the next kind of jump up is that purposeful play when baby starts crawling. Is that right? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of rhetoric going around about whether crawling is important can babies skip crawling? Can they go straight to standing and walking? 
to me, crawling is a necessary milestone. And I really like to emphasize that it is necessary. And the best way I think for families to understand how necessary it is, is looking at your own palm and seeing the creases in your hand. Interesting. Yeah. And those creases came from you crawling and using that hand musculature when you were a child. And so you need those creases in your hand to be able to hold a pencil. Um, So again, like I said, you know, all these skills build on each other and they help kids get into school and be successful in school and become productive adults. So I think when you say it in that way, like having those creases in your hand helps you hold a pencil kind of helps everyone understand why crawling is essential. But crawling is also important for many other things. It's a great way to work on eye-hand coordination, coordination between like your upper extremities, your arms and your legs. Again, working on that head and neck control, visual motor skills. To me, the most essential developmental milestone families should be focused on. It's not something to skip. Standing and walking will come, don't worry. But crawling... I, if you can encourage your baby to crawl for as long as possible, I say go for it. Today's episode was brought to you by Dreamland Baby. I want to introduce you to a product that hundreds of thousands of parents use to help their baby sleep, the Dreamland Baby Weighted Sleep Sack. Hi, I'm Tara Williams, host of the Mom Manual and founder of Dreamland Baby. When my son Luke was six months old, he was still waking up every hour and a half. I was completely exhausted, frustrated, and at my wit's end. Sound familiar? My solution to create a gently weighted sleep sack that babies can safely wear to help them feel calm, fall asleep faster, and stay asleep longer. The award-winning doctor-approved Dream Weighted Sleep Sack and Swaddle features our proprietary CoverCom technology evenly distributed weight from your baby's shoulders to toes to help naturally reduce stress and allow your little one to feel relaxed and sleep soundly. If you're struggling to get your baby to sleep for longer stretches and go down easier, you're not alone. This product was a game changer for my son and can be for your family too. And right now we've got a special discount exclusive to mom manual listeners. Use code MOMMANUAL15 at checkout to get 15% off site-wide. Isn't it time for you to invest in rest? Okay, I've never heard this idea of skipping crawling. What's what's the concept behind that? I think there's a lot of controversy around it because the CDC recently came out with a new set of developmental milestones. And on that, they omitted crawling as a necessary milestone. There is an asterisk at the bottom that says like, this is not all encompassing, but when you're seeing a big poster that says your baby should be doing all these skills and crawling's not on there as a parent, it would seem natural to be like, oh, we don't need to crawl. We can go straight into standing and walking. So I think us as like a therapy community really want to make sure we're out there emphasizing and educating families that crawling is still very important for your child. I mean, that seems almost like a bizarre recommendation. It's, it seems so natural to go from, you know, laying to kind of doing the push up to then crawling and then eventually taking the first steps and then walking. Exactly. And why did they omit it? Do you think? I think it was an attempt to make it really easy to understand and to simplify what baby development is like for, so families understand that. Again, they did put that asterisk at the bottom saying like, this is not 
every milestone that right. kids go through. But when you're admitting something important like that, it, it's, it's a little oh, scary. Yeah. yeah. And the parents get so excited for their babies to walk. Like that is what yeah. they look forward to. Yeah, so if they think step. like crawling can be skipped, like they're excited. They're like, oh, they're going to be an early walker. That's so exciting. And I really like to back families up and be like, no, no, no. Like crawling is still important. And we can still be just excited, as excited as possible when walking starts. But let's also encourage like everything that needs to happen in between. Well, and, and then I think you create an environment where parents are buying um, those push carts and, and things that help baby walk and, and now putting, you know, a four or six month old on these and trying to have them move forward. I, I would assume like their, their bone structure might not even be ready at, at totally to walk, to support the weight. Is that right? Agreed. Yeah. So I am pretty flexible when it comes to recommending toys and products for families, but the two things that I say a big no to are the jolly jumpers and the sit in baby walkers, especially if your baby is under eight, nine months, like you should not be attempting those at all. And you're correct. Like the baby's hip development is not ready for that type of force through their hips. There's actually data showing that it can inhibit walking. It can slow down that process and it can change the shape of the hip. So we really want to be protective of those hips, making sure that, babies are getting into that standing and walking positioning when they're actually ready for it. Yeah. And we don't want to delay them in any way. And yeah. yeah, I mean, marketing strategies are incredible in the toy industry. And we're here to like help families navigate as to, you know, what's appropriate and what's maybe not the best choice. Yeah. I actually never used those. I, the, um, the ones where they walk around, I just felt like it was going to ruin my house to be totally transparent. <laughs> We're going to be running into walls and everywhere else. And same thing for the thing that goes in the door frame. I'm like, it, that just seemed like it was, they were going to fall or some issue. Really interesting though, about omitting that crawling piece and everyone has heard it here. Your baby should be crawling not walking at six months. Okay. Let's jump into the next phase, which is childhood purposeful play. Tell us about that. Cause that's, I would say a little bit more where I am right now. Okay. Well, it's not a specific thing. But purposeful play, like I said in the beginning, is just this time where you're focused on engaging with your child. And I think a lot of parents think like purposeful play ends once my baby starts walking. But to me, it doesn't end. You should still be engaging in purposeful play as your child enters toddlerhood and childhood. You really want to like engage with your child to, to keep them in play. It's a great way for you to model activity, play, exercise. So you also want to help your child create those healthy habits that lost into childhood, you know, creating those spaces and time for exercise and movement is a great way to teach your child how to manage their stress, create like a healthy attitude towards movement, also promotes great sleep habits. So it's a great time to engage as a family and while also talking about movement, exercise and play. I love what you're saying. And, you know, I think if, if people didn't know you're from Hawaii, like even if you didn't say it, like it, it, you can just kind of feel the, all the connections and, and the, I would say maybe pace of life on Island life a little bit different than what, what, what do you guys say on the, the, what do you call the United States? Like the, the, oh, the mainland, the mainland, right. L- a little bit different Island life versus mainland life. Um, but I really love this. It's something that I have been trying to go into both purposeful play, but just 
everything in my life being intentional, slowing down, like breath work, meditation, just, I am a small business owner and wearing a hundred hats and I have four kids and it just feels like life is moving so fast and everything feels so stressful and it doesn't need to be. And I think when we, as parents, like the number one thing I hear when I bring people on podcasts or when we, you know, um, do polls or surveys or anything with our parent community, it's just, they feel like the time is moving too fast and they're not having that dedicated time with their kids. And the kids are just, it's, it's just, everything is going by like a blur and they can't find the moments. And so this purposeful play, what you're talking about, like I recently have gone out and bought board games and that is something that my kids are four, seven, nine, and 10, and they love doing it. And like last night we played Scrabble and it was nobody. I mean, my kids don't have phones, but I wasn't on my phone. You know, nobody's watching TV. We're not doing anything else. Like we're just focusing on playing Scrabble and using our minds and connecting and laughing. And like, we were so in the moment for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was, but I felt like that time was more connecting than the every 30 minute time I drive them to soccer or where we're rushing and making dinner, or I'm in my office, I work from home and they keep coming in and I'm like, please get out. Like, you know, or we have this short conversation. I'm like, okay, now you need to leave. Like, so it's just, I think finding those still moments, but when you talk about purposeful play for that older toddler or child, like give us some examples of what you would define. Yeah. I mean, I leave it pretty open-ended when we get into those age ranges. Cause like you're saying, like Scrabble works for your family when it comes to like yeah. engaging in family time. So it's about finding what is of your interest and your child's interest. So if you guys really love playing baseball, go ahead and get that ball and mitt out and play catch. Yeah. If you all are a family who loves to hike or walk, you know, get outside, find a trail for yourself. If your child has a bike or a scooter, you all can go out for bike rides. Or you can even do stuff in the home. You can turn on a yoga video um, and do yoga in the house. You could do a dance party. Those are always really fun and silly. Just turn on your Spotify or wherever you stream your music and yeah. have a really fun time together. And and you're so right, Tara. It's about creating like those moments where you're unplugged. You're really wow. connecting with your child and your family. And you're just having like a great time together, but also doing that through movement. Yeah. So is the key really that something involves movement? Is that, is that the idea? Yeah. For me, when we're thinking about purposeful play into childhood, it's about doing it with movement to help create those healthy habits that go into adulthood. We want kids to like learn about exercise and movement in a way that's not stressful and not imposing diet culture or anything like that. We just want it to be fun and exciting. So as your child grows up and has their own family, they can also impart that onto their families in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me a little more about when we think about the idea of movement and you said gross motor skills, go to fine motor skills, go to communication. Like how does this all kind of trend together? And as a baby, that makes more sense to me, but like, as they get older, um, you mentioned even sleep, like how does that kind of all tie in? Yeah. So, so a great way to talk about it is how we were just talking about handwriting. You know, we yeah. need those creases in your hands that come from crawling to hold a pencil. And that's yeah. also a way of like communicating and participating in your academic activities. So they all kind of lend to each other. And then also learning all these gross motor skills also lend to play skills. 
um, which also feed into social skills. You need to be able to play to engage with your peers or other people that are around you in your community. And then with sleep, you know, engaging in activity is just a great way to like engage the mind and then sets you up for success when it's time to go down for sleep. You're on your iPad all day long. You're exposed to that blue light. There's so many studies saying like, the neuroplasticity of your brain changes if you're exposed to screen time before the age of two, which then in a long term can affect, you know, sleep schedule and, and how sleep habits form down the road. So it's not just about like helping. Of course, it's all about helping those developmental milestones, but it's also about creating like healthy, happy lifestyle habits to, you know, carry a child through into adulthood. Yeah. And in terms of, so you're, you have a physical therapy practice. What are you seeing predominantly that you're, I guess, trying to correct, or I don't know, get ahead of for the patients that come in with you? Yeah. So the biggest, two biggest things I'm seeing right now are plagiocephaly and torticollis. So plagiocephaly is the flattening of the back of the head. Mm. So that often happens when babies aren't getting enough tummy time or not playing on their side enough. They're just hanging out on their back a lot, or they're in their baby carrier in a stroller all day long. Right. Um, and what goes hand in hand with that is torticollis, which is the shortening of one side of the, the neck muscles. Oh. Their head is a little bit tilted and rotated to one side. Um, so usually the two diagnoses go hand in hand together. Right. So really what we're trying to do with Three Little Ducks is also educate all these new parents, like how important tummy time is, side playing time is, getting out of your carrier. I think also it's really important to share that information with whoever that caregiver is outside of the parent, whether it's your daycare provider or your grandma or auntie and uncle. I think when auntie and uncle or grandparents take care of a baby, they just want to snuggle and hold them all day long, which is incredible. There can never be too many snuggles. You also want to make sure you're creating a little bit of time in there for some tummy time and some opportunities to play on the floor. Yeah. And do you think that some of this has been from the recommendation that happened in the nineties by the AAP for the back is best because before they used to sleep on their stomach and like move the heads. Totally. Yeah. It's all um, correlated to that back to sleep campaign and the back to sleep campaign is incredible and necessary. We do need babies sleeping on their back for that prevention of SIDS to make sure babies are healthy and safe while they're sleeping. But we also need to correct for it. They're spending, you know, eight to 12 hours of their day on their back sleeping and napping. We need to take that pressure off the back of the head and move it to other parts of the body. Yeah. So, you know, if somebody is looking at their baby and thinking, oh, wow, the back of their head is flat, is that automatically they need a helmet or what, what do you do for that? Uh, I don't think you necessarily need a helmet. I think it's really important for that parent or caregiver to go to their pediatrician and point it out like, hey, I'm noticing some flatness. My first step would be to ask the pediatrician for a referral to a physical therapist or an occupational therapist, similar to a provider who is well-versed in pediatric and baby care. I think from there, I think the therapist can work with the parent to decide what the best options are. Generally, a lot of it can be corrected through therapy and coming up with a positioning program for the family. Um, and there are times where helmets are necessary and we should intervene in that way. But not every family needs a helmet. 
What about for like toddlers and and um, school age kids that are coming in? What what kind of things are you seeing them come in for? Ooh, um, I haven't seen a lot of kids um, come with like coordination issues. And to me, that's so clear. Like my first question is, did your baby crawl? And oftentimes the answer is no. And I'm like, I can tell your baby, your child is a little uncoordinated. You can see like the right side and the left side don't move together as evenly. So that's really common. And then I see children with different medical diagnoses with cerebral palsy, spina bifida, Down syndrome. Got it. Got it. So the uncoordination, that's interesting to me. Why, why are they not just because they didn't crawl or is there any other reason why kids aren't coordinated? I mean, I think crawling is a huge factor with it. If they miss that crawling milestone, then they didn't have that opportunity to learn how to disassociate both sides of their body and learn how to coordinate all of it together as one unit. I think some of it might have been COVID. You know, we were stuck at home. We weren't moving around that much. And, you know, school was on the computer and there wasn't that much time to get outside. You know, if you live in an urban area, it was very difficult at that time to go out to a park. And if you live in a in a small home or an apartment, there's not that much space to run around and do fun things that you would normally do if you were going to school or, or we had a, you know, if you had your life prior to COVID-19. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even think about that. I actually just was watching a movie with my husband last night and they said 2020 and they were showing masks and like talking. And I said, Oh my gosh, this is so funny because we lived through that and you don't really think of it, but then seeing it in a movie, I'm like, wow, this was, I mean, such a weird time in history, obviously, but just seeing it, I'm like, this was really bad. Like people were stuck in their homes and depression and, you know, no movement and sitting on a couch and like nothing to do. And I can see how, I mean, the, the big thing we're hearing is that because the kids had the masks on and then the teachers had the mask, like it went from, and, and this isn't probably your realm, but um, the speech, like speech impediments went from, I, I'm going to totally butch this, but you know, 5% of kids had it and now it's like 50% of kids. So that, that was a big one. Cause I have, my kids are young too. Yeah. So interesting with COVID anything else you want to share? Any other takeaways you want to make sure our, our listeners get? I think the most important thing, like I touched on a few times is you're you spending time with your baby and your child time is precious as you shared with your four kids and just making sure even if you're carving out 10 to 15 minutes with your child to snuggle with them to play with them to read with them that is the most important thing you could be doing for your child they want your attention they want to hear your voice they're getting all that feedback from you you're modeling what life should be like for them so if you're modeling physical activity for them like and they're taking that in, like, this is an important priority for me. And then spending time on the floor, I think, like we were talking about, a lot of families are thinking crawling is something that can be skipped. So I encourage as much floor time as you can. Just get down on the floor with your kid, tummy time on the floor once they're tolerating it, crawling on the floor, just doing everything on the floor. That's the best place to play with your baby. Yeah. Yeah. I love all this. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where tell us all the places we can find you, your website, your social handles. You can find me on Instagram at three little ducks, Hawaii. That's all written out. The number three is also written out and you can find me on my website at three little ducks, Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Suma. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. (laughs) 